0: Welcome to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGinnis, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we continue our Da Capo Conversations, a mini-series where we'll be giving familiar segments a topical twist. Today, we revisit Juhi Bansal's and Bryce Smith's Perspectives on Identity, Culture, and Music Making. Here's what Juhi Bansal had to say.
1: Um, In a very, very broad sense, the the, issues to do with women and girls and getting an education are things that have just always been really important to me. Um, For the obvious reasons, I think we should all be caring about it, frankly. But also, you know, thinking about like women in my family and even my mom wanting to study music when she was younger and she wasn't allowed to. And I've had cousins who are still in India and family members who wanted to pursue educations and weren't allowed to. So there's like, there is a personal element to it, as well as just the obvious, of course, all girls should be given an education and given those opportunities. So one of the volunteer projects I did, this was a few years ago, there's um, a group which they've recently changed their name, which is why I'm hesitating. They used to be called the Bangladesh Girls Surf Club. (laughs) Then it became the Bangladesh Girls and Boys Surf Club. And I think just in the last couple of months, they've actually been adopted under a larger umbrella group as well. Um, But this was a group I got to know about through um, some volunteering I was doing here locally in Southern California. And, you know, it's this fascinating story about this group of girls in Cox Bazaar in Bangladesh, which is one of the, um, poorest parts of Bangladesh which is already obviously such a such a poverty-stricken country and this group of young girls basically they saw a lifeguard surfing on the beach one day and they asked him to teach them how to surf and what I loved about their story and what I loved about kind of volunteering with the group afterwards was that they built what started as just teaching the girls to surf turned into a school for the girls so that they were you know, given an education. And many of them had, until that point, never gone to school. Um, often the girls in that community are married away at like 11 or 12 years old and much older men. The club, because of donations, because of fundraising, because they were able to give food bags and aid to the families. Um, kind of then enabled also the girls who were not married away that early. They actually had kind of bought them literally the years to be able to go to school and be able to learn and be able to graduate. So kind of, you know, as a group I was volunteering with on and off for a couple of years, mostly through our work here in Southern California, but, um, you know, their stories really stuck with me. And I got to know the um, founders of the clubs who had a couple of you know, Skype calls on tiny screens with the girls and getting to hear their stories through the language barrier. And you know, I, I think that's led to a couple of things. One is not just in a very broad sense, wanting to push in every way possible for girls to have a voice, that's girls as composers, that's girls to have an education. Like, in any way that we can talk about that and make that possible, I think I wanna be doing that more kind of, I suppose, more specifically to your answer about how that's inspired my work as well, outside of, outside of speaking about it um, and outside of kind of trying to fundraise for it. We also did a musical project and one to say last year for the prototype festival that was also a little a digital short about that same story about the girls and about their experience and about, you know, fighting to be able to make choices
2: and get an education.
0: Here's what Bryce Smith had to say.
2: I am an African and Indigenous American flutist, educator, and activist. As a person with intersecting identities, I exist in this sort of paradox. In one light, what I perform reflects who I am, and in no way can I be separated from that art. Simultaneously, I am highly regarded in an art form, not created for my identities. For example, Many of the gems in the repertoire that perpetuate white supremacy are based on cultural hegemony. Whether or not I accept it, there are societal expectations for me to be an individual that bridges race and classical music. Tokenism is at once necessary for appearances. However, still, successful people of color are often not perceived as a part of the collective. The synthesis of these things has created a responsibility to liberate preconceptions of how black musicians are and can be involved in classical music.
0: Thank you for listening to Four Good Measures De Capo Conversations and a special thank you to our guests for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends, posting about it on social media and leaving us a rating and a review. To learn more about E4TT, our concert season online and in the Bay Area, or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit us at www.e4tt.org. This podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the California Arts Council and generous donors like you. Four Good Measures produced by Nanette McGuinness and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes with special thanks to co-producer and audio engineer Stephanie M. Newman. Remember to keep supporting Equity in the Arts and tune in next week for Good Measure.